0: Because of the announcement that Jay made last week at church, we have a family situation here too, don't we? Um, and we're going to look at this situation as our place tells us to look. Where's our place? We are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. It's from that perspective that we can look down and see family situations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus who's seated right next to the Father, and we're next to Jesus. Jesus is going to inform us. He's probably going to ask us to inform ourselves and then say, yeah, that's it. (laughs) Because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us and we can Think like Jesus because we have the mind of Christ. So here we are in this circumstance at Bridge Builders Church where our pastor announced last week that he was going to resign from his job. Not at the church, but resign from his other job. This presents some challenges. This presents us with a situation where we have to look from a different perspective at where we are and what God is expecting of us. And we thought it would be a good idea today just to start out with a short reminder about some biblical principles. Now, we know that God can do anything He wants, but He's not going to work outside of His character. He's not going to work outside of biblical truth. So it's important that right at the beginning here, we get established and reminded about certain biblical truths that are going to help us walk through the next month and beyond. And I thought it would be a good idea... You do me a favor, give one of these to each person. Thank you. I thought it would be a good idea for you to see where our heart is and where our mind is about these biblical principles. And as we go through this, we can hopefully establish ourselves in the truth so that this is our perspective. This is our foundational perspective. And we'll need to be reminded of these things along the way. To Bridge Builders Church, August 2017. You know, we're in a time of transition. A time of growth. And that's what I just titled this little sheet here. A time of transition. A time of growth. And next to that, you'll see when you get the sheet, it says SIFT. I thought we'd sift through this together. Now, I didn't spell sift the right way because sift only has four letters and my message had five parts. (laughs) So I I had to add an extra F just so the word would fit. But I thought it would help us remember we're going to sift through these points together. And there's five points. And these five Principles are supposed to remind us who we are. Because when we are established in who we are, we're looking from our place seated next to Christ. We don't want to be standing down here on earth looking at our circumstance. We want to be looking at it from God's perspective. So, let's start. Sift. Our first principle, by the way, is there anybody who wants a sheet who didn't get one? Uh, some of you have holes on the left side, some on the right side. I thought the people on the left side of the church could get the hole. No. No. I stuck the paper in a printer wrong. So that's okay. Point number one Who are we? We are stewards. Stewardship is a biblical principle we have to remember this, that we're stewards. And all of the scriptures, I thought I would write out here, so we don't have to look them up. New King James Version. First Chronicles 29, 16 through 18. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared is from your hand. Your hand, and is all your own. People were being asked to give to the temple being built. And so, they had things in their hands and they gave them. But what they had in their hands didn't belong to them. It was given them by the Lord in the first place. So even though it was in their hands, they didn't own it, it was God's. 1 Peter 4.10 As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whatever we have in our hands, we are to be stewards of it. Because it's given to us by the grace of God. There's two points there. First, God owns everything. Nothing we possess is ours. It's all God's. He gave it to us. He gave it to us to do something with it. And we manage God's stuff. And we're answerable to Him. You see this all through the Bible. There's good stewards, there's bad stewards. But everyone is a steward of something, whatever we have been given, whatever is mine, materially, spiritually, everything that God gives us, the truth he puts in my heart, I'm to be a good steward of it. So, number one, we're stewards, we're not owners. Number two, we're investors. 1 Corinthians 9 For our sakes, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, no doubt this is written, that he who plows should plow in hope. If you plow, you should get something out of it. And he who threshes in hope should be partakers of this hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we should reap material things? He's putting together material things and spiritual things. They're connected to each other. They're not separate. If, he's saying, I invest spiritual things in you, should I not reap material things? The opposite is also true. When we sow material things, we can reap spiritual things. You can't separate the two. So, the sowing reaping principle, there's a connection here. And then let's review what Pastor West said last week. When we give in the kingdom of God, we invest something. We don't have an expense. You know, I go to the store, I get a $2 loaf of bread. That's a cheap loaf of bread. A $4 loaf of bread. I get $4 worth of bread. But when I invest in the kingdom of God, I don't, don't get back just what I put in. I get back multiplied benefits. Even if I don't see, if I give $2 to the with of God, I'm not going to get $3 back necessarily. But something more is going to come to me besides what I have given. God multiplies. He doesn't add. So we're investors. We invest things. And then B, remember Wes said, we are in holy partnership with the Lord and with each other. We partner with God by investing in his kingdom so that his kingdom is advanced. Not just monetarily, but in our time, our talents. It's all invested in the kingdom. So we're stewards, we're investors. Third, we're followers. For God so loved the world that he gave. What did God give? Everything he had. And the word says, If He gave us His Son, what's He going to hold back? How could He give more? He can't give any more than He's given. He's given us everything. We're followers. What does that mean for us? 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. In great trial of affliction the abundance of the churches of Macedonia's joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. They were very liberal in their giving. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, even beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And this they did. So what he's saying is they gave beyond their ability. How can you give beyond your ability? Is that possible? In the kingdom of God it is. Because we know we're going to get a great return. The last line though. They first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. And on the back of the paper there, generosity begins with submission to the Lord when we submit all we have to the Lord, our whole life, that shows that we're generous to God because we're not going to hold on to anything for His sake. Then He will lead us in giving and in how we do this. We're to follow Jesus, having been given His mind and power. We have the mind of Christ. We have the power of the Holy Spirit in in us, which is the same power to raise Jesus from the dead. So if we follow Christ, don't you think He's going to lead us in giving? I hope so, because I don't want it to come from my brain. I want it to come from the heart of Jesus that's in me by His Holy Spirit. So we're stewards, we're investors, we're followers, and number four, this point has been tried to be driven home to us for the past eight years, I don't know, we're free. The Bible says we were given freedom to be free, that's why we're given the freedom. Then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly, because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord, and King David also rejoiced greatly. The word willingly means to incite from a free will. We're free to decide whatever we want to decide, it's all voluntary. We're not, we, we can do whatever we want to do, because we have God's Spirit leading us. A loyal heart. Loyal, complete, safe, with a peaceful mind. This heart, that inner being inside of us is at peace. Knowing that God is in charge of us. And he's going to tell us what to do. And in that, we have freedom. 2 Corinthians 9. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. That word cheerful means hilarious, by the way. It's the same root word as hilarious. So I want to hear the next time we have an offering, everybody just burst out loud with laughter. (laughs) Wouldn't you love to hear that in church? That would be great. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you always having sufficiency in all things and of an abundance for every good work. We can be a cheerful giver. We have abundance. Now I want you to be careful about this next statement that's written there. If you feel manipulation, compulsion, or pressure to give, then don't give. Don't do it. God's going to make clear what you're supposed to do. And if you feel manipulated, don't do it. Now I will tell you this. I don't believe there is any manipulation, compulsion, or pressure coming from the leadership of Bridge Builders Church. I don't think so. We don't think it's in us. It's not our heart. And if that's what's coming across, it's something different. It's either we're saying it wrong, or, be careful now, church, there's something in you that needs to be healed. It's a hurt from the past or a misunderstanding from the past. Something is being projected onto the leadership of Bridge Builders Church from experience. We would love to help you be healed of that. That's
1: right.
0: And not for our benefit, because we want to see you free. That's right. But it's okay if you feel manipulation, compulsion, or pressure. Don't give. God will clear things up. He's going to heal things. And everything's going to happen at the right time. Is that okay? Did I say that right? Okay? And my wife would now say, Tim, remember, go back to the point about God is in charge of the giving that He'll let you know what to do. Because we've been in a place where we were manipulated by leadership. We were deceived, maybe you might even say. So, we've been on the other side of the coin. And at Bridge Builders Church, since since its inception, since before its inception in our heart, we wanted to make sure there was none of this any place. And if, we, if it's in our heart, Lord, get rid of it. And if it's in the people, help us to help them get rid of it. Because... We heard this statement. Without truth, there is only manipulation. We want truth to prevail in this church without any manipulation at all. That's how healthy we want to be. Okay. S-I-F-F. Now we're on T. We're treasurers. Matthew 6, don't lay up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust will destroy, where thieves will break in and steel, but lay for yourselves treasures in heaven. Moth and rust won't destroy. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Now listen to this. We don't all of a sudden ask, I have a heart for that ministry, so I'm going to give. No, no, that's wrong. We give our treasure and our heart follows. That's what the scripture says. Give When you give your treasure someplace, believe me, your heart's going to want to follow real quick. You're not going to not care. So our heart follows our treasure. We don't wait until we feel like giving. We're not going by feelings here. We're going by... The next point, we respond to the needs the Lord brings before us. God brings a need before us. We respond to the need. Our heart follows our treasure. That's what the Bible says. So, we're in a position at Bridge Builders Church where shortly, there's a need. Our pastor is not going to have a job. Now, we've been blessed to be able to help the Cookingham family by giving them a small stipend from Bridge Builders Church. That ain't going to do it. We're going to have to ask God to show us how we can work with the Cookinghams so that they can be supported. And they have some ideas about things too, not just support from Bridge Builders, but support from other avenues, but we have to do our part so that, oh, I like Jay and Chris, so I'm going to give. No, no. I'm going to give to the need that God has shown us that we have as a family, and then our heart's going to grow even more strong towards Jay, our pastor, and his family so sift sift now i'm going to ask elder mike and his wife patty to come up here and pastor tim's wife jenny pastor jay's wife chris here's here's the basic spiritual leaders of this church And now we're going to ask Pastor Jay to come up and just, by the way, we're doing this because we want to show you, we are in one accord about this whole thing. We know what's going on. As I said, Jay, Mike, and I met last week. We're probably going to meet every week during this time because we need to pray together and say, Lord, what's changed this week what's going on this week? But we've asked Pastor Jay now to come and just sort of let us know what's happening this week. What happened this week? Where are we?
1: Process, progress. Uh, hopefully there's progress in the process. I just want to kind of just tell... That's a perfect sound effect for what's going on right now. The stepping out from full-time employment obviously was a a great relief for me. Uh, uh, Those of you who have known and have heard the chronicling of the many years of difficulty where my job existed, you you know that story. There's no sense of going into it except it was very difficult. And it was starting to have an effect on my health. Uh, mostly mental health, but so it, it seemed prudent to, to start to, to explore what that might look like if I left that job. And you know, there was there was in the sessions that we had with uh, Wes and Verna, both individually and collectively, there was there was two questions that really moved me. Uh, one of the questions was Wes asked me, "What has changed when you first started as pastor to where you are now?" You know, when I first started as pastor, I was, I was trying to be so obedient to what God had asked me to do, to step into this place where God was, had led me to. And I, so I was passionate about the obedience and passionate about serving, and, and it was all about that kind of thing. And so Wes said, okay, so what's, what's different now? I said, well, I still feel that same passion. And this is would, what would, would happen when I was trying to explain is that my love for you has increased beyond words, and that was kind of a kind of a kind of a confirmation for me that I was I was doing the right thing, and just because of my overwhelming love for, for all of you, and that's a God thing, you know, it's. I love you, but only God can help me love you the way that you need to be loved as we go forward in this adventure together. The second question was, was basically, uh, more, it was a statement and a question, and it came from Patty. She says, why are you dragging your feet? Probably the most spiritual question I got asked that weekend. <laughs> but it also was a confirmation. Let me know, you know, we, as provider, as, you know, father, husband, you think about you know, what, what you're asking your family now to do. You know, it's my dream. It's my calling. It's what I feel like God is asking to do. And to walk away from a full-time job is, you know, is quite, quite daunting. Quite, you know, it's an adventure. Maybe not that everyone wants to go on But knowing that my family was behind me, and certainly Christine, you know, the love of my life, was behind me in this, and actually, probably had asked that same question Patty asked uh, in, in different ways. You know, you know, you know, why are you dragging your feet? When you're obedient to what God has asked you to do, some strange things happen. We've been trying to sell Christine's mom's home for a, for a while. Four months. Uh, an offer, a cash offer was given the other day that was, ex, that was countered and accepted. And so the house will be sold very, very soon. Very quickly. I believe, we believe, that my step of obedience... And God said, and here's the wonderful thing about it. It wasn't from a showing. It wasn't from a planned real estate event. Uh, that people were driving by and saw the sign. It just happened to be driving by a very side street in Walden, New York, which is, you know, no one drives, you know, it seems like, you know. Um, so, obviously, that, 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 you know, we don't need that in order to step out in faith. You know, because we had already done that. It's not like that happened, and we said, "Oh well, we could do this because we got a little bit of a buffer here. We got a little bit of, a, you know, some money here, so we could we could take this step of faith and be assured, you know, that we made, we made a step of faith before this even happened. And that, that's not, that's all glory to God. That's not glory to the cooking hands. That's that's glory to God that, that, for that. So just to let you know, yes, I am quitting my full time job, but I, I, I'm still going to freelance you know and matter of fact and the past year the, my freelancing has even picked up over well, the past few days my freelancing has picked up not to the extent it was at one point when it was you know a very viable business but it's started to pick up again and and God has given us some more ideas that we're going to I'm going to still be a tent maker you know you know I'm still going to be a tent maker I'm I, just, I won't be a tri-vocational pastor anymore. I'll just go down to a bi-vocational pastor, okay? You know, so you know, you know, you know, three jobs is probably too much. You know. So I, I say all that to you because one of the one of the things that I had to repent from, and I think I might have mentioned this, was was an orphan spirit during this time. Uh, you know me; I teach about this, okay? I go around the country teaching about an orphan spirit, and. And, and helping men deal with this thing. And it was always sort of surprising to me that, that, that there was still part of that in me. But I believe it was, it was one of the last parts that's, that, that was in me.
2: I felt uh, one of the first things that God kind of stirred in me when we were talking about this. And it was um, I went back and read about it what Jesus did with the loaves and the fishes. And I'd like to read that right now because I think it really shows the heart of the Father um, when we begin to have needs that are before us that we have no way of knowing how that need is going to be met. And yet, when we go before Him with the right perspective, the, the right heart attitude, because he is who he is, what he can do. So I'd really like to just read that. I know everybody's probably really familiar with that. But I think when we read things over again, God's revealing element brings forth greater understanding through that. Um, From where he had been uh, and went to the Sea of Galilee, uh, Galilee and went up on the mountains and sat down, And there the great multitudes came, and and he said to them, Wait a minute. I skipped to the wrong page. Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, the blind, the mute, the maimed, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking and the blind seeing, and they glorified God of Israel. Now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. So there were thousands there. For three days, and there was nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry. He saw their need, and he knew that, the, that it was an imminent need, lest they faint on the way. Then his disciples said to him, where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? There wasn't even anything nearby that they could draw from. Jesus said to them, how many loaves do we have? What do we have right here and now? And they said, seven and a few little fish. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves. He took what was there, what was readily available, and the fish, and gave thanks. He looked to the Father, and he gave thanks, broke broke the bread and gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitude. So they all ate, everyone, everyone ate and was filled and was satisfied. And not only that, there was an abundance left over. They didn't just have seven loaves left. They had seven baskets, large baskets were left. That is our Heavenly Father. If we go to him, really, really having in our hearts an understanding of who he is and being willing to bring before him whatever we have and say, Lord, we give you thanks for this and ask you to multiply it. And like Tim said, he doesn't add, he multiplies abundantly